Good morning and happy Easter, Harrison Church, on this the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Our scripture lesson for today comes to us from John's account of what happened on that first Easter morning. I'll be reading from chapter 20, the first 19 verses. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and sisters and say to them, I am ascending to my Father with your, and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God on this resurrection day. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we've moved from our cemetery on one side of the building where we read our scripture lesson for today into the arbor on this other side of the building, into this place that teems with life. We've gone from death to life for this is Easter morning and Christ is risen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the beauty of this day, for all that it is in our lives and in the lives of those around us. God, we give you thanks that you are not a God who has stayed in the grave, but you are a God that is alive and present in all that we do, in our hearts, in our lives, in our world. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight. For it's in the name of the risen Christ that we offer this prayer. Amen. 
So I think that Easter 2020 is as close to the original Easter as we may ever get. Easter this year is as close to that original Easter as we will ever have. And here's why. Unmet expectations. Mary went to the garden early that first Easter morning and she had a certain set of expectations and they were not met. And Easter for us is a certain set of expectations of gathering together in the sanctuary, of proclaiming together with one voice, Christ is risen and Christ is risen indeed. And after Easter services, we'll go and we'll be with family and, and have lunch or brunch or, or something of the sorts. And this year, like Mary on that first Easter morning, our expectations are not being met. And so perhaps maybe for the first time, we get how she felt. We understand a little bit more about what it means to, to come to this morning full of expectations, only to have them go unmet. In many of our gospel lessons, we are told that Mary came to the garden that morning with some other women. She came there to anoint Jesus' body for the last time, to prepare him for his burial. All three of the other Gospels, beside John, tell us this story. She is there to care for him. And yet what she finds is an empty tomb. And we pick up that story this morning, and, and we think about Mary arriving in the garden and experiencing that empty tomb, and we understand that our expectations then and now have gone unmet. And the parallels just continue in this story, in the first Easter and the Easter of our own day. Empty tomb, empty church. Mystified disciples then, mystified disciples now. People looking for answers to questions, having more questions than there are answers then and now. People who are struggling for one reason or another, just trying to grasp the situation at hand then and now. And then as now you have a confused woman who's told to proclaim the resurrection. Mary and myself. All of these expectations, all of these parallels, again, brings us closer to that original Easter, that first Easter morning long, long ago. We come to Easter in this time of pandemic and social distancing and economic distress, and we begin to wonder, what does that Easter then have to say to this Easter now? Is it simply get used to unmet expectations? Be ready for the surprises of life. What does then have to say to now? And here's what I think it says. For believers, Easter is that pivot point of hope. Easter is that pivot point in the history of the world where everything changes, where whether our expectations are met or not. Whether for better or for worse, we desire one thing over another thing. For better or for worse, whether they are met or not, Easter is that pivot point for all of us that says that God is present even in the most unexpected ways. 
Easter is that pivot point for us that says that death is not the final answer. It's simply the beginning of a new reality. Suffering is not going to last forever. Suffering gives way to redemption. As Friedrich Buechner puts it, the worst thing is never the last thing. I love that. The worst thing is never the last thing. And that indeed is the hope of Easter. That is the message that transcends that early morning thousands of years ago into our morning today. The worst thing is never the last thing for we are people of God. We are the people of resurrection. Now the gospel of John is the only gospel that tells us that Easter morning began in a garden, that Mary went to the tomb to find, East, to find Christ in a garden. Now, we don't know if the others just left it out or, or why John thinks that it's an important detail, but I, I think it's a detail that we need to pay attention to this morning. John sets this day in a garden and the empty tomb in a garden. Still today, there are people who argue about whether or not that tomb was in a garden. And if you go to Jerusalem, you will find five or six different Christian traditions that locate the site of the crucifixion and the tomb in the city of Jerusalem. Within the walls of the old city, there's a grand ancient church built over this site. And millions of Christians believe that that's where Easter actually took place. That's where Jesus rose from the dead. Some other Christians believe that, no, Easter would have taken place outside the walls of Jerusalem. Crucifixion by the Romans would have occurred out on the road that led away or to Jerusalem. And so therefore, Jesus was crucified and buried in a tomb nearby in a garden. Now, I'm not sure it really matters whether, whether Luke and Matthew and Mark have it right or John has it right or, or, or if, if it's right at all. I think, though, perhaps what, again, we need to pay attention to is why does John think it matter? Easter is in a garden. Think about it this way. The garden itself is a player of Easter morning. The garden itself is, is one of our characters on Easter morning. The garden itself is a symbol of new life, of the cycle of life, of death and resurrection, of, of renewal in God's creation. And so, in a way, it makes all the difference for John and for us this morning to hear this message from a garden, to know that it is in a garden where life is teeming and life is beautiful, that new life becomes a possibility. We're told that Mary ran to the garden or she went to the garden that first Easter morning and she found that Christ was not there and she was confused, of course. She wanted to know what was going on. How could this be? All she wanted to do was care for her Lord one last time, and he wasn't there. And we're told that she goes to get the disciples, and she brings a couple of the disciples back with her, and they run ahead of her to see if what she says is true. And they get to the garden, and they look into the tomb, and Christ is not there. His body is gone. 
And the disciples return home confused, saddened, dismayed by what they have experienced. But Mary stays put. Mary stays put in the garden. She looks again into that tomb, that place of a symbol of ultimate death, that place in which there would be no life on a normal day under normal circumstances. But Easter is anything but. Easter is anything but normal life, normal expectations. Easter defies all of it. And Mary looks in that tomb, and this time she sees angels replacing that spot of death, angels bringing light and life into that place of death. And she turns to go, and she meets a man, and she thinks he's the gardener. Well, that makes sense. Of course there would be a gardener in the garden. And she speaks to him and asks him and and begs him, I would imagine, my Lord, can you tell me where they have taken the body of Christ? Can you tell me where they have put him that I may go and care for him one last time? Can you tell me where Jesus is? For he is not here. And Jesus speaks her name, calls into memory that promise of life that he offers, speaks her name, and she gets it. She realizes that indeed this garden, this place of life, is a place of renewed life. Indeed, the very place of resurrection. And she reaches out to Christ and says, Rabboni. And he says, Mary, don't touch me yet. I have not yet ascended to my Father in heaven. So what I want you to do now is to go and to tell the disciples exactly what you've experienced. Go and tell the disciples that in this garden... In this place of beauty and life, in this garden, you have seen the risen Lord. The garden itself is part of this story, an intricate part of this story, particularly for John. As biblical people, we know that life indeed began in the garden long before Christ was on the scene. God created life in a garden. God brought forth life in a garden thousands of years earlier, prior to that first Easter. God created life, you and I, in God's image, and God called us good. And life began for the first time in a garden, and so did sin. So did sin. Sin, the location of the first sin, was in a garden And if we begin to think about it in broader terms, we begin to understand that not only was life begun for the first time in a garden or sin begun for the first time in a garden, sin and life, life is renewed in a garden and sin is defeated there too. That's where it matters so much that we are right here in a garden with Mary experiencing again the best of new life. The beauty of new life, the day when sin was defeated for all time, the day when Christ, who had entered into human suffering and into human sin just a couple of days ago, that Christ, who took it all upon himself, was not content to stay in the grave with it. Instead, Christ defeated sin and death that he took upon himself on Friday. He defeated it on Sunday morning, again in this garden with new life all around him, all around us. 
And that is our message for this morning. That is the message that transcends the millennia. That is the message that makes this Easter so much like that first Easter. For we are a people who worship a God who's all about life, who's all about redemption, who will take what the world has to offer and defeat it for all time so that we might be his people, those who follow him with hope and promise so that we too may look at the world and all that it throws at us and say that the worst thing is never the last thing. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. And let us pray. Indeed, O oh Lord, we are reminded again and again and again this Easter morning that you are a God of new life. You are a God of beauty. You are a God who brings forth life from destruction and death. Help us to be a people, a resurrected people, who believe this to be true, who know it to our core, so that we may be those who witness it to a world that far too often than not settles for defeat or settles for suffering or settles for just the way things are. Help us to be those people who say, no, for Christ is risen. And the hope of the world is alive and among us, in us, and will work through us and renew life again and again and again. Thanks be to you, our risen Lord. Amen.